Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Keep or Cut podcast, a proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm Pete Ball, joined as always by Chad Young. And Chad, today is finally it. I feel like we've been counting this down for like, I don't know, 75 weeks, but it is episode 100 for 75 weeks. It's like we got to episode 25 and we're like, we could get to 100 someday. <laughs> Just keep pushing. Um, yeah, no, we, we made it, man. We made it to 100. It's been 100 episodes of fun. Thank you to our listeners who've uh, helped us make it this far. And Chad, we're going to do something kind of crazy today. Uh, yeah, I think we had a couple of crazy ideas. We like we really wanted to you know celebrate 100. I think that my, my favorite crazy idea was let's come up with 100 takes. And I was just <laughs> like, just fire off every 30 seconds some like completely indefensible position or something. But I, I think we ended up those takes would have been hilarious yeah. towards the end anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it just, yeah, it wouldn't have worked, but I, I like, I like where we're going. I think we have a, you came up with a better plan and I think this is a better plan. So, <laughs> so what we're going to try to do, and in a way, I guess it would be a hundred takes kind of is we're going to try to touch upon in some way, shape or form. It might just be like this player was in a trade that I did. It could, it could be that small or it could be, you know, what do you think of this individual player? But we are going to try to touch upon 100 players today uh, to commemorate our massive 100 episode. Uh, so, Chad, without wasting any time, I, I, I'm ready to jump right in. If you are, um, we're going to we're going to do this kind of rapid fire style to make sure we get upon all the stuff we have in our notes. Um, so, first big piece of news: uh, Julio Urias and Dustin May both headed to the IL. Um, Urias, I believe, is hamstring. Dustin May is an arm situation, so that's a little bit concerning. Bobby Miller has been called up. Really exciting stuff. I remember watching Bobby Miller in the uh, Futures game last year. It looked kind of nasty. And Gavin Stone is set to make uh, a start this week. He wasn't too great in his debut. So, Chad, uh, let, let's just start with uh, Dustin May here. Are you getting concerned? Are you selling him in your long-term leagues? What do you, what do you think of Dustin May as he heads to the IL again? Yeah, I mean, I think May, it's just, he's always had stuff that you're like, wow, he's going to, he's going to pile up strikeouts someday. And now we are, it seems crazy. He made his major league debut in 2019. This is his fifth season in the majors. I think of him as like a kid. He is not a kid. He's, he's 25. He's not old, but he's 25. He's been around since he was, you know, 2021. 20, and those strikeouts are just, they're not coming. And I don't, I think at this point, you just have to accept that they're not coming and he isn't a bad pitcher. I mean, you look at his numbers this year, he's made nine starts. He's a 2.63 ERA, 3.28 FIP. The XFIP is a little questionable. He's gotten some home run per fly ball luck, only a 2.1% home run per fly ball rate. That is not sustainable. But I, I think 
I I have sort of given up on the idea that he's going to develop into a true ace, striking out more than a hitter per inning and and posting sort of low threes ERAs. I think he's going to be more like a high threes ERA guy. He's not going to get you a ton of strikeouts. That's not a bad pitcher, but you know, in a long term league, I think if you can if you can still sell the the vision of Dustin May, you should. Yeah, I, I I do not disagree. I think at this point in his career, he's a lot of innings into his career. Like you said, he's been around the block despite being only 25 years old. And that caper nine is is down around eight, right? The the strikeout promises he started to show late towards last season, if I recall correctly, have vanished this season. So I'm with you on Dustin May. I am a little bit excited. I think you'd probably agree. We can kind of skip over Julio Urias. I mean, he's going to come back when he's healthy. It's not an arm we issue. We said his name. We, we said, said his name. name. And that's okay. I've, I've already notched his name over here on my little envelope that I'm keeping track on. Um, but this has given an opportunity um, to two exciting prospects, especially Bobby Miller. So who are you rushing to pick up? Is it Miller? Is it Stone? Uh, where are you with these two guys? Neither. I'm not. I, really? I, I'm the low man, I guess, on, on Miller. But I, I've been poking around because there's a bunch of excitement in the auto news slack about Miller getting called up. And so I've been like trying to figure out what I'm missing. Because here's what I see when I look at Bobby Miller. In 2021, in high A, as a 22-year-old, so not a particularly young high A pitcher, but it, you know, in high A, he was really good. He struck out a bunch of guys, didn't walk very many, good results. 2021, again, as a 22-year-old, he gets challenged with double A. He only gets nine innings. They're not very good, but whatever, it's nine innings, fine. And actually, they weren't bad. It was just some bad luck in there. Last year, first real shot at double A, and he was... Mediocre, mid threes FIP, mid fours ERA, a lot of walks, more home runs than you'd like to see. Gets his first taste of AAA, and the ERA is pretty good, 3.38, but the, the FIP is 4.65. There's more walks again. Home runs still a little bit of an issue. This year in AAA, he's been atrocious. Now, he's been injured, and so he's been working his way back. And, you know, someone pointed out to me these are basically like spring training innings, and he did finally make a good start. He's made it. He made one good start his last time out. Um, that was just a few days ago. Went six innings, six strikeouts, one walk, no home runs, run on two hits. Beautiful. Other than that start, I look at his track record and like, I hear things like he has an overpowering fastball. I hear things like he, you know, he can dominate hitters. He can go deep into games, blah, 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 blah. And then I look at the numbers and I'm like, why, why isn't he succeeding? Like, if he can overpower hitters with his fastball, if he's going to overpower major league hitters with his fastball, why isn't he overpowering minor league hitters with his fastball? Like, and that's, it's just no evidence that that's what's been happening with him. And so I'm, I'm dubious. I just, I like, I'm probably like, I, you know, I'll be wrong, right? He'll, he'll end up being great and I won't have any shares of him and that's fine. I will live with that. But I am, you know, maybe there's some leagues where I'll put in some bids on him if the, the, you know, but I'm going to bid low and I'm going to bid on him as a, a flyer who I think I'm not expecting a lot from. Now, I think the thing that he and Stone both have in their favor is that right now the like the Dodgers have a, a mess in their rotation, right? They've got two guys injured. They are still using Noah Syndergaard, who is probably at some point a, a DFA candidate, I would think. Like if if these guys stick like if, if stone and William and Miller, sorry, stone and Miller are good. And then they get healthy. 
like they can make room to keep these guys around. So that that is a that is a, an advantage is that they the Dodgers like they have a lot of pitching depth, but they are they don't have like five guys you have to have in the rotation. And so these guys can stick around. But I don't know. I, I look at Miller, I see that issue. When I look at Stone, the issue is really walks, and like that's not getting better. He's try, he walked three and four in his last two minor league starts. He's consistently walked too many guys in the minors and it's only gotten worse this year. And so like, I don't know. I, I look at these two guys and I'm like, I think stone's going to walk a bunch of guys and get himself into trouble. I think Miller, I think he will pile up the strikeouts. He has done a good job getting strikeouts in the minors. Um, not this year, but, but historically, but I, I like, I think he's going to be pretty hittable based just based on what we've seen from him in the minors. Totally fair. I, I'm definitely with you on Stone. Um, I, I guess though, he has, he has not shown good command. He was in, in his limited taste. He wasn't really getting any swings and misses or anything. Um, it's only four innings, but he looked pretty brutal. The one thing that'll keep me coming back to any of these players are that they wear Dodger blue, uh, and that the Dodgers just seem to be a factory for starting pitchers, and they seem to bring them along well. And so I, I'll give these guys some leash. I'm interested in Bobby Miller more than Stone, but uh, totally fair. You snuck Syndergaard in there, so we are up to five names, just 95 more to go. We are eight minutes in. Here we go. Next up on the list, Jorge Polanco went to the IL. I believe that's hamstring as well. I've been looking at so much news, I should have just wrote it down. Uh, That resulted in the calling up of Edouard Julien, a Chad Young favorite. Is it a short stint? Is he here to stay? Because Royce Lewis is lighting the minor leagues on fire, and Jorge Polanco will probably be back reasonably soon they they're a crowded team those twins i know yeah it is it is a hamstring issue for him um it doesn't sound like it will be super long but hamstrings are hamstrings you never know uh julianne i mean we talk about everyone's talking about royce lewis which makes sense right he's just making his way back from the serious injury he was he was super fun in the majors last year i mean julianne has been awesome like his AAA numbers this year, he has a 419 Woba in AAA right now. Like he's he is walking almost 20% of the time in AAA. He's striking out 24.6% of the time, which is more than you'd like, but he's he's hitting for decent power. He's just sort of doing the things you want him to do. And I, I think they're gonna be an interesting situation because Julianne has earned a real look. And I know people are saying, Oh, he was up before. He was up before. He played in nine games and got 32 plate appearances. Like I don't think he's gotten a real look yet, and I think he's earned it. And I think they're going to have to figure out what to do about him and Lewis. And when Lewis is ready, he's also earned a real look. So you've got some some difficult choices for the Twins to make. Um, and I don't know how you make more room here. Right now, like right now, Kyle Farmer's their third baseman. It feels like Lewis or Julianne could maybe take a shot at third base. I don't know how much either of them have played there, but it, it feels like one of them could handle that. Their shortstop's been underperforming, but I don't think Carlos Correa is getting benched anytime soon, so that's probably not a, a realistic spot for either of them. Buxton was moved out as a, a guy uh, for precautionary reasons. He's been their DH, but I don't know. I, I saw a tweet from somebody saying like, you know, if you're a fantasy player, prepare to be out without Buxton for a while. Precautionary means nothing with him, right? Like, it's precautionary. His season's over. Like, that, like it just, it feels like that's how it goes with him. So if that opens up a DH spot, like, maybe that 
Maybe that means that Julianne gets a shot to play DH when Lewis is ready. Maybe Julianne plays first base and Kirilov moves to DH. Like there are some moving parts here. I hope you mark down Kirilov because I said that name too. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I think there, there are some moving parts here with this team. But even then, like you make room for those guys and then Polanco will be back. We haven't even mentioned Nick Gordon. He was starting to play a little better. Max Kepler is going to be back at some point. Like there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, and for that reason, as much as I like Julian, I'm still happy to have him in outer new leagues and deeper leagues like that. But in shallower leagues, I, I'm, I'm sort of hesitant to pick him up because I just don't know. I, I'm not counting on him getting much run, unfortunately. Short term, he'll probably be their everyday second baseman for like a week. And then who knows? Yeah, that sounds about right. My concern with Julian, and I like him as well, are the strikeouts. They were somewhat of a problem in the minor leagues. I mean, he he did have a season of 310 plate appearances at high A with a 29% strikeout rate. And in his limited sample, fair enough, 32 plate appearances, it was up over 30% with a walk rate of 3.1. And I think major league teams, like I could see him kind of getting the Nolan Gorman 2022 treatment where, you know, okay, like, yeah, you're exciting, you're young, but if you're going to strike out over 30% of the time, we cannot have you on the field, um, and I think that could that could hurt Julianne. Um, okay, so we get the entire Minnesota Twins lineup out of the way there. We are up to uh, 16 names here so far. Continuing to churn through our list, we have an exciting return this week. Tyler Glasnow is set to make one more rehab start. He could return versus the Dodgers next week. If I recall, Chad, you were not as high on Glasnow as other people, but still interested if you... Where are you at with Tyler Glass now? Are you interested in buying? If you have him, are you looking to see maybe like two or three starts and then sell him? What are we doing with Tyler Glass now? So, yeah, you, you got that backwards, man. I was I was real high on Glass now. Okay, I, I was I was very interested in him. Um, I had him on a bunch of rosters. I've been I've moved on in a couple places and otherwise been sort of stuck with him. So I'm, but I am I'm excited for his return. The results have been pretty good in the minors. He he did have a setback during his minor league times. So like you do worry about how long he'll stick around. But I also read and I'm trying to find some sort of validation on this because I, I heard secondhand that his velocity was pretty down today. And I can't find that. But he was so now I'm I'm I almost feel bad saying this because I, I can't sort of, you know, validate that it's accurate, but he's usually like a 97, 98 mile per hour guy. And he was down at like 95 today, I heard, or 95, whatever his last rehab start was. So something to watch with him, but I think he's probably like, he isn't just velocity and he, he's the kind of guy who like, it's entirely possible that he's trying to hold back from throwing 98 in order to keep his arm attached. And I could totally get that. And I think he could be very successful. And, and his minor league numbers, if that velocity report is accurate, then it would suggest that he is succeeding with a little bit less velocity. That's great. Um, I love Glass now. I, I'm super excited to see him back. He's a fun pitcher. He's so talented. But I think you just, it's, it's sad. Because I was one of these who was like, hey, if you get like 115, 120 innings out of him, he could be a top 10 pitcher, even with that almost like we talked about DeGrom. And now I feel like, uh, am I going to get 70 innings out of him? 50? Like, what? What? what's realistic? And that's that's my big concern with him. 
Yeah, and it's the Rays, right? I mean, they're going to be super, super conservative, naturally. Um, the minor league baseball Twitter account, at MILB, uh, did tweet out on May 16th, so five days ago. It was probably his last, it, it was definitely his last start, that at least for one pitch, he dialed it up to 99.4 miles an hour. Oh, so yeah. um, I, who knows what it was on average, right? We've seen pitchers, what comes to mind for me as a Red Sox fan is Chris Sale, uh, who for one or two pitches, we'll, we'll see that like 98, and then it goes back down. Of course, recently, Chris Sale just looks locked in and has dialed it way back up. Um, but hopefully that's not just one outlier pitch, and the velocity really is back. And I did get down Chris Sale there, so we are up to 17, 18, 17. Um, I haven't counted Nolan Gorman yet because we're going to get to him. Next up, Eloy Jimenez is apparently ahead of schedule. I thought the the four to six. I've never had an appendectomy, Chad. I, you know, knock on wood, Jesus. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but he at that four to six weeks just seemed like a long time. And then I was like, ah, well, it's Eloy Jimenez. So, you know, maybe it will just take him that long. He can return late next week. Apparently that was like he got injured 12 days ago and they said four to six weeks. So I don't know what the heck is going on there. He was really starting to hit the ball well, but. I, and we've talked about him, right? I mean, this is a, obviously a fluky situation or just something that people go through. This wasn't an injury or a nagging thing or anything like that. But still, it is a reminder, you know, you're, here's your team without Eloy Jimenez. Here's how it looks. And this might happen more often than not. When he comes back, if he rattles off a week of, you know, a couple home runs, bat 400, you're going to trade him. You're going to be looking to move on from Eloy or are you going to be thinking, finally, this is why I drafted him? I think I'm more likely to buy than to sell. We, we talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago, right? Like you've got him in, I don't remember, maybe it was in the, the podcasters league. Well, you have him everywhere, but it's in the podcasters league that we're talking about. Like, you know, I would buy him if I could wait on him. And like, I was thinking about doing that. And then it was when he got the appendectomy, right? Like in the middle of us discussing me acquiring him and I'm still there. I still think like, a, as you said, this wasn't a, you know, this wasn't a pulled muscle. This wasn't him getting injured playing the field. This isn't some thing that you're like, oh God, this could happen any day. Like he will never have an appendectomy again. It's done. <laughs> it's that's a good point. And that's it. So I there I'm sort of like, eh, this is actually like it's obviously never good when a player misses time, but this isn't like Glass now who had that setback in his rehab at one point. This isn't like Buxton who we talked about having precautionary issues right now. Like this isn't a thing that you're like, oh God, this is a reminder that, you know, it is, as you said, it's a reminder of what your team looks like without Eloy, but it's not a reminder that he's injury prone and is going to miss a bunch of time. And that like this hamstring may never heal, which is always a thing you worry about. Like he, he, this, sh this should be behind him once it's behind him. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about this. If anything, I'm looking at it as an opportunity to maybe poke around with his current manager and be like, Hey. Do you really want to wait for him to get back? Wouldn't you rather trade him for a mediocre outfielder right now? Yeah, I, I, that's a fair approach. Uh, it made me a little bit more upbeat because I've just been so disenchanted with him lately. But uh, real quick, two outfielders who I guess you could say are both streaky, one being Eloy, the other being Teoscar Hernandez. If someone offered you their Teoscar for your Eloy, are you taking that offer or are you sticking with Eloy? Wow. Uh I think I'd rather have Eloy. I think given the choice between the two and, and Teoscar is starting to pick it up. I mean, his, you know, he's still having sort of a below average season, but if I remember correctly, I'm going to double check this right now. It was the same thing last year. Yeah. And his, I was just saying like his, his May WRC plus is up to 114. Like 
he's he's heating up as you'd expect mm-hmm. him to. I, I just I don't think the ceiling is as high with him as it is with Eloy. Yeah, that's fair. Eloy is a, a little bit younger too, if I recall correctly. And again, yeah. people forget Eloy was a really, really high prospect. He was Luis Robert without the speed before Luis Robert for for Chicago. Um, moving on to a breakout this season, Nolan Gorman in May. And he's been great all year, but here are his stats in May. 57 plate appearances, only 11 strikeouts, which is huge for him. Seven walks, 12 runs, seven home runs. 17 RBI, even a steal. He's batting 367. Is he a top five second baseman now? I, I think you could make a case that he could be top three if you're really buying into this breakout. And I think you could make the case that he's a top 50 player overall going forward. I am all in on the Nolan Gorman breakout. I'm trying to find a reason not to believe in this breakout, and I cannot find one. Yeah, I think the, the fun thing for me with Gorman is he went through that stretch from mid-April to sort of the first week of May. May I'm, lo- I'm looking right now at April 18th through May 8th. There is absolutely no reason for me to have picked those dates. They're just random dates I pick, so don't read too much into them. But the point is, we had all this talk at the beginning of the season about like, oh, Gorman's breaking out. He's finally hitting blah, blah, blah. And then he fell apart. And for that three-week period, he had a 79 WRC plus, and things looked pretty, pretty bad. And there were a lot of like, oh, he's not, you know, maybe he's not really breaking out. And then, as you said, his main numbers have been great, but really it's since that May 9th date, he's got a 326 WRC+. Plus. Yeah. Those who don't remember, WRC+, plus scaled to 100. 100 <laughs> is average. 200 is double, as, twice as good as average. 326 is God-level performance. Over, like, you know, It's over 10 days, 11 days. Like It's not actually God-level performance, but whatever. Point being that I love seeing a young player like struggle and bounce back, right? Like that's the thing you're to me that you're looking for that more than a breakout. Like a breakout is great, but the breakout where then whether it's pitchers adjusting, whether it's dealing with a slump, whatever it is where something goes wrong. And then that young player is like, no, 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 no. That's not me. This is me. I'm legit. Like I love seeing that. And so, uh, yeah, I was sort of getting down on Gorman for a while there. I was slow to adapt before and I was getting down on him. Then, you know, then things went bad and I was like, eh, I don't know. But now, boy, top five second baseman rest away. Uh, let's pull up. I'm going to use the be- ESPN player Raider. Oh, actually, I like the Rasball player Raider. So look at that. Rasball player Raider. He's got to um, be number not- two on ESPN, only behind Semyon. I'm double checking that right now, but I'd be shocked if he was. Okay, no, he's, he's number, number three so Raz- because Estrada's two. He's number, he is number two on Rasball. And so I'm looking at just, you know, who here's the other guys sort of around him. You've got Simeon is number one, Gorman, Max Muncie is third, Tyro Estrada fourth, bunch of check marks for you here, bunch of check marks. <laughs> Nico Horner fifth, Jonathan India sixth. Then you get to like Taylor Walls. Ozzy Albee is all the way down at eighth is sort of surprising. Um, looking further down the list, if I was saying who are going to be the top five rest of season? There's a name that's not on here at all because he just made his return to the bigs, and that's Altuve, right? I would still take Altuve over Gorman. I would still take Simeon over Gorman. I think Muncy versus Gorman is a very interesting debate. They're like, I feel like they're the same player, just a decade apart in age, <laughs> something like that. Um, and I, I might have a little bit more faith in Muncy than I do in Gorman. 
Estrada is a very different story. Yeah. I mean, jazz jazz is the other guy who, who, you know, I guess it depends like when he's back, but he, he, from the moment he comes back, I would take him over Gorman. Mookie also has second base eligibility in some places. He does on ESPN. Yeah. yeah. And then you're going to hear like, I'm sure there's somebody out there who thinks Christopher Morell is going to maintain his like insane performance and be a, a top five oh, guy. We'll get to him. But uh, I, I think, you know, it's funny when I saw you put the note of like top five rest of the season, I was like, no, that's ridiculous. And it's, it's not, it's a, it's sort of a reasonable over under. I'm not sure I'm ready to say, yes, he will be top five, but I, he's certainly in the mix there. Yeah. He has just, hit the ever living crap out of the ball. And the the biggest thing, the, the first thing anybody should look at with a young player who had a 33% strikeout rate last season is what's his strikeout rate this season. And so far it's not great, but it's 25% and not even it's 24.8% so far this season. That's with a 17% barrel rate. So he has been to this point, the work that he has done has been otherworldly. Um, and I'm looking forward to that continuing his max EV this season is already two miles an hour higher than it was last year um everything up across the board for a 23 year old former top prospect i'm all in on nolan gorman despite chad having just traded him away um so i was curious your your thoughts on this deal this is a keeper league we keep three though so um you gotta, you gotta be a really great bargain or just a flat out stud to keep i think that's important context and I, I i think people were a little i'm curious to see what you think people are a little miffed um, I gave up a 22nd round Nolan Gorman, which to me is like a very prized possession, a fourth round Eloy. And this was after the news broke that he might return next week in a 16th round Zach Eflin. Uh, and it was before Zach Eflin had another stellar outing with 16 swings and misses last night. And I got to add him to our tally here. There we go. Um, and I received a first round Mike Trout in a 22nd round Anthony Desclafani. Did I lose this? Did I win this by a mile? What are your thoughts on this trade? Uh, man, it's an interesting trade. I, I think I'd rather be getting Gorman, Illoy, and Eflin. Sure. I think like looking at this long term, like, I don't think, I think Gorman is the only clear keeper of that bunch. Eflin could play his way into that. I think Desclafani is the kind of guy who, like, by the end of the season, you're going to be like, oh, 22nd round, that's a pretty clear keeper value. But in a keep three, yeah, no. with his track record, I'm just like, I'd be hard-pressed to believe he's one of your three best keepers. Whereas Eflin, I think, could make that leap. Probably not. Illoy in a fourth round is probably not that exciting a keeper. And so I think, and Trout as a first rounder won't be either. Like, I, I just... He's going to be a mid to late first round pick. I just, it's, I, I don't think I would end up keeping him with a first rounder. And so, so Gorman becomes the one keeper this year. I mean, Trout, Trout is Trout. So, I, you know, I think from that perspective, as a win now deal, I, I get it, right? You've replaced Eflin's innings with someone who probably gets more innings rest of season. And then you've added Trout, and you don't have to worry about Eloy being hurt. You don't have to worry about regression from Gorman. Like, I get it, but I kind of like the other side better. Sorry, Pete. No, I, I'm thrilled you said that. So here, here's some important context for why I did it in the first place, because otherwise I wouldn't have. Um, it, there's only one. There's no middle infield position. There's only one utility, and there's only one second base. I just got oh. Altuve back. 
and I have Nico Horner. So I like, I mean, I would probably honestly rather have Gorman than Horner, but the guy I was trading with said, I value Gorman more. I tried that and and he wanted Gorman understandably. Um, so that kind of put me in a, in a little bit of a tough spot there. So it was okay. Maybe sell a little bit more than I should and get back. Is, it, my is this five by five? No, this is seven by seven. So it's the oh, standard right. five by five categories, but um, save holds and uh, total bases. We do I'm trying to remember all the categories here. Strikeouts per nine and is also there. Quality starts. And I can't remember the extra hitting one. Uh, walks. It's walks. So Trump, well, power hitters have a lot of value there. But um, yeah. But but some of that stuff also is like, you know, you compare Gorman versus Horner, which obviously isn't directly part of the trade, but indirectly is obviously like you're, you're getting a, a much, much better average out of Horner, much, much better average out of Horner than you will out of Gorman. And he's going to steal you some bases that Gorman's not going to steal. And the power difference is I think in some ways mitigated by total bases, which seems kind of like a weird thing to say since Gorman will be better at total bases, but Horner's get you a lot of doubles, extra base hits, a lot of singles even. And those add up in a way that, counteracts some of the home run advantage that that Gorman has right in, in a traditional five by five I, I think it'd be I, I don't know I, I I think you'd Horner is a little like that power difference becomes a little bit more challenging for me but I don't know I, I get why you did it then with, with Altuve coming back I get why you did that I Gorman is in that situation, Gorman is an obvious trade candidate for you. And like, you should be looking for somewhere to move either him or Horner. And if it gets you trout, it gets you trout. Yeah, fair enough. Um, another tiny piece of, of context there, just because this is a keeper league podcast. So here's a fun keeper rule. You guys have heard of this league before. If I do keep Jordan Alvarez and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As well, then Mike Trout will actually only cost me a third. So that, that played into it a little bit, although I think I'll still find somebody else to keep. Um, all right, so that brings us up to 35 names are where we're at right now. We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into more names. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everyone. Chad, I, I forgot to mention this. The reason why I was glad you said the other side won is somebody in the league made a comment. Now, I have won this league four times in 16 years, so it's not a crazy pace, but I think there's a little bit of sensitivity uh, when I uh, I acquire Mike Trout. Somebody referred to it as, I got Mike Trout for a box of Dunkin' Donuts munchkins, which I just thought was an unfair characterization of this trade, so I'm very glad that you felt the opposite, and I hope that person listens to this podcast. Maybe that person is just a huge fan of Dunkin' Donuts. 
Yeah, that's true. They could be like, whoa, you paid so much to get my truck. <laughs> a whole box of Dunkin' Donuts munchkins? That's just crazy. <laughs> Especially if they're He's... all jelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's 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 keep clicking through this list here. Um, Christopher Morrell, you brought him up, and I did not tell him. I'm going to tell him now. Uh, since getting called up on May 9th, I, he... I, <laughs> He's Babe Ruth, 44 plate appearances, 14 runs, seven home runs, 13 RBI, one stolen base. Actually, a little surprising, probably because every time the ball's in play, it goes over the fence, so he can't steal bases. He's batting 381. Now, the kicker is a strikeout rate is 36.4. So I don't think this will continue, but are you buying this uh, second Christopher Morrell breakout? Because if you recall correctly, he did the same thing, I think, last year to a lesser degree. Yeah, I mean, this is like... Christopher Morrell, like, to be clear, he is hitting the crap out of the ball right now. Like, this isn't just like, oh, he's got, he has a 50% home run per fly ball rate and he's kind of earned it, which is just nuts, <laughs> right? Like, Wild. Fine. that said, like, this is just who he is. The guy swings as hard as he can at everything. And if he goes through a week or two where he makes contact, he's going to hit a dozen home runs over two weeks because that's what's going to happen. And then he's going to end up like he did last year with like a pretty meh season. And like, if you look at what he did last year, when he first came up, let me see if I can get this all accurate. He came up. So first of all, he came up May 17th last year, right? It's almost the exact same time of year. A little bit, a little bit earlier in the season because the season started later, even though it's a few days later, but, and then through June 7th, he had a, I should say through June 10th, he had a 156 WRC plus. He'd only hit three home runs. So the home run pace right now is like a whole other thing. And then from June 11th through the end of the season, which was, you know, most of the season, his WRC plus was 92, right? So basically what he did was for like almost a month, three and a half weeks-ish, he was a very good, well above average hitter, and then he was below average the rest of the way. Um, that's just, I think, who he is. And, and I think you can see it in his performance this year. He struck out already today while we're recording. That takes his strikeout rate on the season up to 37%. He's walked 4.3% of the time. He's running a 450 BABIP. Like not good, just yeah. He's not a good hitter. He he like I, I I he's just not a good hitter, and I enjoy the hot streak. Sell while you can. Yeah, and what makes it makes it tough is fantasy managers are so smart now, right? We all one of the first things we see, no matter what page we look at, be it fan graphs, be it stack ass, is going to be that strikeout rate, and everybody's going to know that that can that can fall apart in a heartbeat. But enjoy it, ride it out, and uh, see how long. Christopher Morrell can carry your entire offense for um, Manny Machado to get into some unfortunate news. He uh, had x-rays and they came back negative, but then upon a closer look, I don't know if it was MRI or what it was, there's a small fracture in his finger. Um, that's a tough player. To, even though he hasn't been performing, that's a tough player to lose. So Chad, how, how are you going about replacing Manny Machado in the leagues that you have him in? So this is where I mentioned this to you before we recorded, but this last week 
Um, my, my son is in fourth grade and in Seattle public schools, they do a fourth grade camping trip for some schools do it fifth grade, but they do a, a camping trip and I chaperoned it. And so Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was at a like YMCA camp, an hour and a half outside Seattle with like 75 fourth graders. And it was, Woo-hoo. uh, I'm not super up on what's going on in the world of baseball right now. I'm still catching up. And so the answer of what I'm doing to replace Machado right now is like, I think Emmanuel Valdez is on that roster where I have Machado. And so he's in my lineups now because he was like the only other third base eligible player I had. And it's in our keeper cut listener league for Adenu where my team, I finally caught you, Pete. I finally caught you for last place in our <laughs> keeper cut listener league. Thanks man. <laughs> um, yeah, my, I actually like, I went into that, that, this league thinking third base would be a strength because I had Machado. I had uh, Jose Miranda, who I really like. And I had Christian Encarnacion Strand. I picked him up, I think, early in the season as sort of a, a you know, up and coming option. Uh, CES has been great, right? Encarnacion Strand has been absolutely tearing up AAA. He just needs to get a shot. Miranda has been... Like he was terrible in the majors and now he's in the minors and he's been terrible there. So yeah, I don't know in terms of how I'm replacing him though. Like in that league, I'm probably just going to live with Valdez until something else comes along. Cause I'm, I'm not going anywhere in that league anyways. And so what I'm really stuck doing with him there is just waiting it out until he's healthy so I can trade him, which is just an awful spot to be in. If I were contending in that league and needed to go find a third baseman, I don't know. There aren't like a ton of options out there, I don't think. Like, so let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick search in in Auto New for third baseman. In the major leagues, sorted by points per game. And let's look for names that are not super rostered. So options I could pick up. Mark Vientos, 65.06% rostered. He isn't really playing a ton. It doesn't seem. It's unclear what his role is going to be. If I believe Vientos was playing regularly, I would love to pick him up to replace Machado. Jake Berger, 57.69% rostered. He probably should be more rostered than that. He's been really good and he is playing and I don't think he's going to get displaced anytime soon just based on the way he's performing. Uh, Casey Schmidt, 78.85% rostered. Another guy, if, if he's a free agent, he'd be a decent replacement. See, I'm just rattling off names here. This is this is just, I've just got a list of names. I can read every third baseman in the majors. Um, we've talked a bit about Ezekiel Duran. He's still under 87% rostered, but not really sort of a guy I'm super excited about. His, so a couple names there, I, I, I'm definitely interested in. I, I was curious if you were going to mention Berger or not, because Berger was smoking the ball. And then I was like, oh man, the poor guy got hurt. It was perfect. Like he was taking advantage of the missed time from Eloy and, and it really looked like he was about to, to take off. He comes back from injury and hits a home run in three games straight. I mean, this dude yeah. is just, he's just a bat. Um, so he, he's someone I'm definitely interested in. And the other one you mentioned there, Ezekiel Duran, 
I understand not being that high on him, but the underlying data so far has kind of supported what he's done. He's already up to seven homers um, in 130 at-bats. He has three stolen bases, and he's batting 315. I just think that Rangers offense is good. Um, and and he's, he's, he's an interesting target for me. I, I don't really expect the power to continue, but um, he could be a decent average stolen base guy with a little bit of pop. So uh, those two names definitely stood out to me. Yeah, and I think Berger, I mean, the, the big question with Berger for me is once Illoy comes back, where does Berger fit in? Because uh, Yon Mankata has been good enough and he's going to keep that job. I don't think Berger is going to displace him. So, like, does Berger take over at first base for Andrew Vaughn? Does, Oof. I mean, I, I don't think so. The guy who, boy, I mean, if you're talking about the guy who maybe should get displaced... It's Andrew Benintendi. Who they can't do that. They're not going to do they, that. I, I wouldn't think so, right? They just signed him. They signed him to like contract. a five-year, seventy-five million-dollar contract. And you know, the, the big question now is: Will he hit more home runs or play more years with the White Sox? Because he has zero <laughs> home runs, and uh, I don't think you know he's going to get paid fifteen million dollars a year for like three home runs a year because he is just. And he's such a bad fit for that park. It was, this, I think we talked about this in the offseason with Benintendi, but like you've got a guy who sprays the ball around the park, who does not hit for power, and then you put him in a tiny park with no outfield space. And so you're just you're you're playing to his weakness. I mean, it's just a such a bad idea. Such a bad idea. Anyways, I as a fan of another AL Central team, I am very appreciative of the White Sox. All for it. <laughs> yeah. Just that was that was great. There was I God, there was the other thing I saw that I thought was funny about the White Sox. So the White Sox are adding who are they adding? They're adding someone. They're adding Clint Frazier. And someone made a comment that like they feel like the White Sox like memorized the 2016 top prospect list and are still making decisions based <laughs> off that. And like, Oh, we got Frazier. We got Ben and Tendy. Like, like, yeah. Anyways, I don't know who clears space for, it's really it's who clears space for Eloy when Eloy, when Eloy comes back because they are going to get him back in the lineup and Berger is the DH and the obvious guy to replace. But like, I just don't think you can bench him. So, my my fear is he settles into being a small side platoon guy, which I don't think is a, the best use for him. But yeah, if you need, he's certainly worth grabbing for now. If you need a third baseman, but you do run the risk of him losing that job. If you want, I mean, I'm looking around like Jimer Candelario has actually put up 4.9 points per game, which is not terrible, and he's rostered in under 20 percent of leagues. Like that's a guy you could maybe pick up. Uh yeah, it's not a pretty a situation. Yeah. yeah, it's not a pretty situation at third base. Jake Berger, by the way, max exit velocity is in the 100 percentile, 118.2. A lot of potential upside in that bat. If they give that job full time back to Moncada when Eloy comes back, I will uh, I will be upset. I got Berger in a couple leagues. I got I got a lot riding there. Um, we'll actually circle back to Jake Berger, but it was definitely a good name to bring up for that Manny Machado situation. Um, Gary Sanchez. Yes, he still exists. He's up with the Mets, even though it looked like Francisco Alvarez was coming around at the plate and really beginning to come into his own. Um, 
what what are our quick thoughts here on Sanchez up with the Mets and how this will impact Francisco Alvarez? Because I'm I'm dejected. <laughs> I don't think it's going to impact him very much, to be honest. I okay. like, I think Sanchez is a bench bat and backup catcher. I think they just have him around. I don't know. I I don't. He's like he's making his first appearance today, literally as we speak, um, and that's really only because they have a doubleheader, mm-hmm. and so both catcher like Alvarez will start the night game. Like that's just how it's going to be. Sanchez is one for two. He's also struck out. Not a surprise. So like I don't know. Maybe. Maybe something comes together and he starts to perform and they decide they have to find a way to keep him in the lineup. But like, I just don't, I don't think it's a significant impact on him. I think that Alvarez is their future. They know Alvarez is their future. They're going to keep giving him time. They have to carry two catchers and Sanchez has, I guess, as good an option as any. If you're, if you're going to carry someone else, like ringing hitting a triple A. I mean, he was hitting really well in AAA in limited times. So like, fine. He could get some time at DH there as well if they really need to feel like they need to work him in the lineup. But I, I, I'm not if – I'm, if I'm rostering Alvarez, I'm not letting this bug me. Sure. And, and for what it's worth, folks, if you're like, whoa, Gary Sanchez, there's a name, former 30-homer catcher. It, even in the deepest of two catcher leagues, I, he's just – he's not a target for me. Um, all right. Uh, so moving on from Sanchez and Alvarez, we have a really exciting return, especially for me being a resident Red Sox fan here. Big Maple is back. James Paxton. He's averaging over 96 miles an hour on his fastball, and he's looked good. He kind of stymied uh, San Diego. He He's had two, I think it was two shaky first innings, basically, but he's settled in to both outings and, and has looked pretty good. So um, if he's up for auction in one of your new leagues, right? Uh, let's say new points. How much would you be willing to bid? He is up for auction in one of them. I don't think it's our new points leagues. Um, but what, what are we looking at for James Paxton? Are you like, yeah, right. I'll believe it when I see more than four starts. Or is this uh, something to keep an eye on? So I wrote about Paxton in my out of new hot right now four days ago. Um, it was before his second start, I think. It was after the first. He had been. He was up for auction in seventy leagues. It was the most auctions currently going on for a player. And basically, what I said in there, you go read it on Fangraphs if you want to see a little bit more detail. But basically, what I said in there was like, he's really good when he's healthy. And I talked about like when he first came up with Seattle. I went to one of his early starts, second start, third start, something like that, with a friend who's a Dodgers fan. And the, my my Dodgers fan friend was like getting like Clayton Kershaw vibes from him, right? To big lefty, big arm. And obviously like, even at the time he wasn't like, oh my God, that's who this guy, like, it was just like, oh, I could see some, like getting the vibes, right? And like, the reality is being a poor man's Clayton Kershaw is is a really good place to be. <laughs> that's a, that's a t- right? And Paxton still clearly has that talent. Like it still exists. It is still in that arm. I'm perfectly happy to pick him up. And if I've got a lot of cap space, I'll spend a decent amount to do it. I think the thing you have to be cognizant of with him is like, if you pick him up for like seven bucks, which I think could be fine. 
in a few weeks, you're going to cut him because he's going to get hurt and his season's probably going to be over. And when you cut him, you're going to never get that cap space back because nobody else is going to pick him up. So I think that's the big question with him is like, how much of a cap hit are you willing to sort of live with going forward when it comes time to cut him? Because I just, I just can't see him getting over like 50 to 75 innings, right? And even that, I mean, he threw 150 innings, 150.2 innings in 2019. In 2020, he threw 20.1 innings. In 2021, he threw 1.1 innings. And then he threw zero last year. So, I mean, he's at 11 right now. He He's like two starts away from pitching more this year than he did the three previous years combined. So, I, you just have to be, like, you've got to be realistic about how much you're going to get out of him. And I, I just, I'm not buying that it's going to be 20 starts. It's going to be 5 to 10, maybe 15. And I also think on that higher end. (laughs) Yeah. I I also think by the way, I think that they will probably like he did get to six innings in his last start. He was five, the start before that. Like I suspect they're going to sort of baby his arm a bit, right? They're not going to want him to go out and throw 120 pitches or anything like that. He did throw, and this was shocking, 107 pitches his last outing. He did. 107. It was only 87 his first outing, but I, they're kind of letting him fly. Even sale last night was up around 110 pitches. Um, so I think, I think Paxton is interesting. I'm going to ride him out while I have him. I don't think there's a lot of trade value at the moment. He'd have to really, really turn it on to get anything in a return. But I mean, the skills are clearly there. The velocity, like I said, looks really good. I also think he's going to be a trade candidate. He's obviously not a part of the Red Sox long-term plans and they've been good. I told people if the, if the Red Sox stay reasonably healthy, they're going to surprise and they have been pretty good. They're in the wild card hunt, but if they're realistic about where they are, I think Paxton could end up being someone who could get them a decent return as a rental piece. So I'd be curious to see where he ends up for his fantasy value. But um, I like Paxton. If they're, if they're thinking that, like if you're the Red Sox and you're thinking that, and if you're a fantasy manager and you have Paxton and you're thinking like, gee, I wonder what, you know, realistically, he's not part of my long-term plans. Act now, right? Because the problem is every pitch he throws, you run the risk of it being his last. So if you That's think true. like, hey, we might be able to get a reasonable prospect. I might be able to get a future piece, whatever. Like I wouldn't wait too long because like, yes, every decent start builds up his value more, but I don't think it builds it up that much. I don't think anyone... I don't think there's anyone out there right now. Like, If he throws another 100 innings this year and there's still a month left in the season, I don't think anyone's going to be like, well, he's obviously healthy. He'll be totally fine the rest of the way. People are still going to be like, sure, but when's he going to break? And so I think if you're going to do it, like, act now. That might be true. I think a lot of that would depend on the market. It would also just be, that would be a really hard sell for Red Sox fans, <laughs> especially given the recent climate outside of the Devers extension. So I, yeah. although it is probably true to the logical fan, um, I I can't see them, them doing that. Uh, all right. We are up to 52 names. So we got some work to do. We might do a little bit of uh, rapid fire here. Jazz Chisholm, turf toe to the IL. He says he can beat his four to six week timeline. What's your concern level and how are you replacing him in all those leagues that you definitely don't have him in? <laughs> I, I just I just love that that Jazz is like, like he can't help but be like flamboyantly competitive about everything. It's like, <laughs> Four to six weeks? No, no, I got that. I could beat that. Like, just like, okay. 
Yeah. I, I, it's like I he can play love, center field, right? <laughs> right. It's like I love like I love watching him play. I love the way he like carries himself on the field and around the game. And like the fact that that even extends to how he handles injuries is just it's great. It's great. Uh, I'm not super concerned. I think I my my biggest concern is actually that he tries to come back too soon, and that turf toe strikes me as the kind of thing where like it's a pain management thing. And so you're like, Oh, if you feel like you can play, then you can play. But then he starts to try to play through the pain and he makes it worse. And like, I just, I hope it, you know, I hope is like, I'm going to beat my four to six weeks is just him having some fun and a little bit of bluster. And that behind closed doors, he's saying like, I'm going to let this thing get right and make sure I come back and tear up the league the way I can. Cause that's, that's what I'm hoping for. In the leagues where I do have him, because I do have him in a handful of leagues. I don't know oh, nowhere. That that actually surprises me. Um, he is tough to replace just in terms of the stolen bases, uh, but I think a, a name that we mentioned earlier, so I will not tally him, and Manuel Valdez could be a decent replacement. Although, he, after his home run last night, I imagine he's going to be a tough guy to add in your your deeper formats, and if you lost yeah. Jazz, you probably replaced him by now. Anyway. Well, remember, we, we talked a week or two ago about uh, I was debating trading Logan Allen Edwin Diaz and Brett Beatty for Jazz Chisholm and one of Rizal Iglesias or Carlos Estevez. Right. That trade was like six names. Uh, and so yeah, I got to keep in mind the ones that we've already mentioned. That's all. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but I, I was thinking about that and then he got hurt. And so I ended up not making that trade. But like, I think I might come back to something like that as it gets closer to being healthy. Um, the team that I was talking about with that, they're in last place. And if they start to like more aggressively sell, I might even see if there's like a, hey, I'll even buy Jazz now while he's hurt if the price is right kind of thing. Because I still think that when he's on the field, he'll, I think he'll produce. He should. 14 stolen bases yeah. already. So uh, there, there's always going to be that part of him as long as this turf toe does not linger. Um, Adam Duvall, not to like just, you know, bring up the Red Sox here, but uh, all the time, but Adam Duvall has started baseball activities. Um, he could be back relatively soon, which is nice because when the injury happened, we all thought he was in trouble. I claimed him for $3 in one of our uh, new leagues. I can't remember which one. Uh, I think it's actually the one where you and I are competing for last place. Are you interested in stashing Adam <laughs> Duvall? I think the clock is ticking here on Tristan Cassis because when he does come back, I think Cassis is the odd man out. Um, and that last piece there is a little bit unrelated, so we can get to that in just a second. But Adam Duvall, any interest in stashing? I, not really. I know he was playing so well before he went down, but I just, I don't know. I don't really believe in him. I probably, I probably need to take a deeper look, right? I mean, I think that's the, 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 the reality is that like I have leagues where I could use outfield help. I've been playing some sort of like, picking up guys like Edward Oliveris and JJ Blade and like just trying to find production and it's been hit or miss. And, but I don't know. I, I still just look at like what Duvall did last year and chunks of the year before. And like, is he really going to not strike? Like, is he going to really, he's at a 13%, 13.5% strikeout rate in his 37 plate appearances so far this year. We really think he's not going to strike out 30% the rest of the way like he did the last two years. And like, I, I'm just, I could see picking him up, but I'd want it to be real, real cheap. Whereas like, I, I mean, maybe the clock is ticking on Cassis. If he gets sent down, I will go about trading for Tristan Cassis in every league I'm in while he's in the minors. Every single one. He is, like, 
His 25.7% strikeout rate isn't great, but it is not bad. He is walking 16.7% of the time. He is commanding the strike zone the way you want to see a young player do that. He has a 195 Babbitt. His average exit velocity is over 91 miles per hour. His hard hit rate is over 42%. His barrel rate is 12%. He has a 357 exoba. Like Tristan Cassis is doing it. He's doing all the things you want him to do except get the results. If we really think the clock is ticking on him, like buy low. This is it. Buy low. This is the window. Do it. Um, I didn't even realize that that was a... Until you were like, the clock is ticking on Tristan Cassis. He might be the odd man out. I didn't even realize there might be a buy low window here. I am ready. I am diving in. I'm going to pick him up everywhere. Because like, you know, if you ignore, like if, if, if you didn't tell me his batting average, his on-base percentage, his WOBA, and instead you just said, here's his strikeout rate, his walk rate, his hard hit rate, his barrel rate, his exit velocity, I'd be all in. All in on that. So I'm... Yeah, I totally like it. fair. I, I I'm not out on Cassis, as you know. He was someone I was heavily in on before the season started, and uh, he's even been striking out a lot less lately. He hasn't struck out more than once in a game since at least May third. I'd, I'd I'd have to scroll further, and the game log doesn't go that far back that I'm looking at right now. But it's not not the point. He's cut down on the strikeouts even in the month of May. Um, he does have three home runs, so maybe he is showing a little bit of signs of life, but. When you think about the Red Sox situation with the next player I wanted to mention, the Jaron Duran breakout, is it fair to call it that at this point? I don't know, but he has looked like a completely different hitter. We talked about him before the season, and I brought up a swing change that he made that basically gets his hands over the plate quicker. Um, and whether it was that or just more experience or whatever it was, Jaron Duran has been absolutely on fire. And that makes a situation where, okay, you're not going to bench Yoshida. You now can't bench Duran. Uh, or Duran, I should say, uh, you've got Verdugo. So your outfield is is uh, almost set, right? And so then the move is, well, you've got Justin Turner at DH. Maybe you put him at first because you can't put him at third with Devers. And that means there's a there's a spot for Duval at DH, and he's going to take that over Cassis. So uh, it, it's a weird situation. I just threw a lot of you there, mentioned a lot of names, so I got to tally all those extra ones down. Um, but Jaron Duran, where are we at? Duran, I'm I'm sort of unsure what to make of because there's some stuff that looks really good, but I can't get past the 434 Babbitt. <laughs> it's like I see that sure. and I'm like, that is just nuts. But like with a 406 Woba and a 434 Babbitt, like the Babbitt will correct. He should be a high Babbitt guy, but not that high. And so even if it corrects, that's, I don't know, that's pretty good. He has though, like, he is very much cooled off in the last, let's say, two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just let's just pull this up. Last two weeks, so dating back to May 6th, since I don't have today's numbers in here yet, he has a 90 WRC plus 310 WOBA since May 6th. I, I think there's a good chance that that's more the kind of guy he is. Um, in that stretch, he still has a 326 OBP, so he's getting a base at a decent rate, not like super high, but decent rate. Um He's got, but he's just not hitting for any power. He's got one home run and two doubles in that stretch. And so like, you know, the ISO is just 122. And I, I kind of think that's what he's going to settle in as is like, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Like who who is a, who's a reasonable comp for what I think Duran 
might be it's like a like a poor man's Nico Horner, who was someone we already talked about. I should have picked someone we hadn't already talked about. What was I thinking? That's all uh, right. Poor we man's Nico Horner. Oh, a, a rich man's Miles Straw. Right? Like, uh, so the I, good version I think of, he's going to have more power than those guys. I, I do. think he might. So here's the thing. Miles Straw, when he's going well, he has no power. None. That's not Durant. But when Miles Straw is going well, he gets on base at a good clip. You're not counting on him for power. He plays very good defense and he runs the bases. I think Durant is that type of player, but with more power. But I don't know that it's, I mean, he's on pace this year for like, if he played a, you know, he's got 118 plate appearances, three home runs over the course of a full season, 600 ish plate appearances. That's basically a 15 home run pace. I think that's a little optimistic. I think he's closer to 10. Um, Now he has potential for more. He could be 20, but I think he's closer to 10. I, but if he does, you know, 10 home runs and 25 stolen bases, like, you know, that's, that's pretty useful. I guess I, I think at some level, what I'm, what I'm sort of getting at is if you're the Red Sox and you're looking at your, your long-term future, I think the odd man out is Duvall. I think you should be shopping. Once he's back, you're either shopping him or you're shopping Turner or you're shopping both of them. Because I don't think sending Cassis down is good for him. I don't think you want to have like Duran, Yoshida and Verdugo. Like they got to like, play. That's, that's your, I mean, that's your 2027 starting outfield, right? Like you're just, you've got those guys locked in and they, they should be there for a good long time. And that's a great place to be. Like, I just don't think you want to let Duvall get in the way of that. And I don't think you want to, I really wouldn't want to send Cassis down. I like, like I said, I think if, if I'm, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm looking at what Cassis is doing and I'm telling him like, don't stress about the results. Like the results are going to be there. You're doing the right stuff. And I don't think sending him down is productive to sort of helping him advance and develop. Well, we, we saw what that did to Jordan Walker. We saw what that did to uh, Taj Bradley. So that is a, it's not a zero risk move to do that to a guy's confidence. Um, all right. We're going to take uh, one more break before we get to our final whew, 35 names to go. And I even counted Babe Ruth, by the way, when I mentioned him in the same sentence. He's a baseball player. Morel, which should maybe never happen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we will be right back. All right, folks, welcome back. Chad Young, Pete Ball, Keeper Cup Podcast, churning through our 100th episode here and our 100 names. We're through 65, and we talked about the Red Sox for some time there, so now it's time to get into the Guardians, of course. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is about to return, which is huge for so many of my Keeper Leagues and not new leagues. I had this guy and was so excited about it, and here it is, May 21st. He still has not made a start. Um, I think Bybee and... and Tanner Bybee and, and Logan Allen are safe for now. I think you'd agree to that. But you brought up some names in our discussion. Um, Aaron Savali will be back soon. Uh, Cantillo, Gavin Williams. Like, break down for me the Guardians rotation and what the current situation is. The Guardians rotation right now today is Bieber, Bybee, Logan Allen, Cal Quantrill, and... It sounds like Hunter Gaddis is going to start on Monday, but I think it's just a spot start. Uh, there was some talk that, you know, maybe Gavin Williams could get that start. He's basically ready. And, and my comment on 
on Gavin Williams at that point was, I just think they need a spot start on Monday because both McKenzie and Savali are close to returning. Mm-hmm. And I I think that there's a there's a situation fast approaching where Bieber, Allen, Quantrill, Bybee, Savali, and McKenzie are all healthy. And I, the Guardians have never talked about, suggested they're going to a six-man rotation. And if they don't, then one of those guys is the odd man out. It's not going to be Shane Bieber. It's not going to be Tristan McKenzie. I don't think it'll be Cal Quantrill. He's been so reliable for them for the last couple of years. I don't think it'll be Savali, who has been better than I think people realize and I think the team really values. So that means it's either Allen or Bybee, I think. And like Bybee, like I, I'm a big fan of Bybee. He pitched this afternoon against the Mets. Six innings, seven hits, two runs. That's not bad, but four walks and three strikeouts. That's the kind of start, especially for a guy who like control is supposed to be his calling card or one of his calling cards. He's also got to get, he's got good pitch. He's got good stuff, right? He, but like he's supposed to be a good command and control guy and he hasn't had that the way you'd like to see it. And it's sort of, it's sort of been a thing that's been coming and going for him. So like if I pull up his game log, he had no walks in his first start. He had no walks in his second. Then he walked four on May 8th. Then he walked none on May 14th. And now he's walked four again today. That, to me, is exactly the kind of thing where you tell a guy, like, let's just go back. You've been great. We've been super happy. Go spend a little time in AAA and, like, let's get you back to to not walking, guys, the way that we know you can, the way that you're, we, we know you're used to. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but like I do think they're going to have to find a way to make room for somebody, and that might be a way to do it. At some point, Williams will be ready, but like maybe someone gets hurt between now and then. But I, I kind of think, and you mentioned like you mentioned Joey Cantillo. We didn't even talk about like Peyton Battenfield. He's probably just depth at this point. He's hurt, but he's probably not coming up anytime soon. Zach Plesac is still in AAA. Like he's still around. He can stay there. He can stay there. He probably will. But it's just, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a little bit of a messy situation. I kind of think they need to look for a trade. And I I I've raised some eyebrows by suggesting they should trade Shane Bieber. But I think like I think you could get a great return for him. And I I think you the Guardians have been very smart about getting out of some of their ace level pitchers before they stop being ace level pitchers. And I think Bieber kind of fits that mold. So, but, but it doesn't have to be him. I'm not anxious to trade him. I think like the reason to trade him is you might be able to get like a star level outfield bat in return and they can really use that. Um, but they're going to have to figure some stuff out. And I I would be as someone who rosters both Allen and Bybee in a number of places. I have Gavin Williams in a few places too. Like I've got some, a little bit of concern that one or both of them get sent down at some point over the rest of the season, just to like, Work a couple things out, get, you know, take some easier outings, take some stress off the arm, maybe, maybe skip a start or two, but we'll see. If that's all it is, then, then I'm actually not worried about it, but I, I, I do have concern that there's so much pitching there that 
it might not just be that um it might yeah. be like hey you're gonna you're gonna finish the season out in triple a and maybe we'll call you up for the playoff roster if we make it type deal but um we'll see there is other guardian news but before we jump into the uh big debut today uh can you really rank for me or rank for me really quickly i should say Bybee, Matthew Libertor, and Yuri Perez, these three somewhat recent call-ups. Bybee been up the longest of the three who are exciting and definitely heavily rostered across our listeners' leagues. Yeah, I mean, I think Perez is my my favorite of the three. Um, rest Bybee of season? Second. or Yeah, even rest of season. Okay. I, I think he's got, I think he probably has the most upside of the three, sort of rest of season future. Like, he's got the most upside. Sure. And... I think he is the most likely to stick because I don't like the Marlins didn't call him up because they're like trying to keep themselves afloat. They called him up because they thought he was ready. Mm -hmm. And other than I do think in head to head leagues, you run the risk of them being like, he's up for the rest of the season. His season ends August 17th or something like that. Right. Like, and then he's done and he, you know, goes home and enjoys the off season. Um, So you do run some risk of that. He threw, was it 77 innings last year? He threw 78 the year before. So like There's a he's cap. already thrown 40 this year. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's like, I think he's the least likely of them to find himself back in the minors sometime soon. Whereas I think Bybee probably gets the most innings this year, but is the most likely to also spend a little bit of time in the minors just because of everything going on around the guardians that we just talked about and Libertore, I, I just, I just don't like him as much as the other two. I think he's fine. He's been very good in the minors. Um, his first major league start was, uh, better than what we saw from him last year. Although he still walked a bunch of guys, right? Right. So, well, I mean a bunch, he, he walked three guys, but it was only five innings. That's a bunch. That's a bunch. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, I suppose the thing I'm maybe not giving him enough credit for and putting him last, maybe it's not giving him credit, is that the Cardinals pitching, like right now, the Cardinals are listed with a six man rotation. Get ready to write some check marks Jack right. Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Adam Wainwright, Matthew Libertor, Stephen Matz, Miles Michaelis. There are a lot of guys there who could, you know, be left out of a rotation without being a, without being missed. And so I do think one advantage he has is like, if he's pitching well, there's just nobody pressuring him for a spot, right? You look at the next guys, like the other starting pitchers they have on their 40 man are like Zach Thompson, Dakota Hudson, someone named Connor Thomas, who I'm not even familiar with. <laughs> like uh, if I look at injured pitchers jake woodford is there one sort of 15 day il starting pitcher like I, if libertor gets sent down it's because he sucks right that's that's what it comes down to whereas the others there's other reasons they might miss time yeah i agree with that if you need innings it's it's libertor but i think the other two definitely have more upside especially uh perez not to knock Bybee, but Perez is arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball. So, Chad, our last little piece of Guardian news here. Bo Naylor is up because of the doubleheader today. Is he worth picking up, or you expecting this to be a short little stint? So, I was super excited because I love Naylor, and then they started Mike Zanino, who hasn't even been starting. 
They started him in the first game of the doubleheader. That game is going on right now. It's the eighth inning. In the eighth inning, they brought in Naylor as a pinch hitter, and he grounded out. He moved a runner up to third in doing it, so that's good, I guess. Nice. Um, But there was already a report. So Cam Gallagher, who's been starting recently, uh, took a foul ball off his hand and may or may not be hurt, but there's they are expecting him to start the nightcap. If he can't go, Naylor will. But that's an emergency situation. But I think uh, we called up Bo Naylor, and we had a doubleheader, and he's going to pinch hit once in both games is all you need to know about where they think he is right now. And where they think he is right now is probably back in Columbus, and it's very frustrating because Gallagher Gallagher is fine. He is a perfectly adequate backup catcher. I don't even think Zanino is that anymore. And I think they just need to move on. And it's extremely frustrating. But here we are. Meanwhile, like Naylor, when if and when he comes up, like I still like him as much as like Logan O'Hoppy, who we've talked about. I like him for fantasy. I think he's much closer to Francisco Alvarez than people realize. Like there are very few young catchers out there that I like more than Naylor, particularly fantasy. Cause I think he can hit for a decent average. He can steal your bases and he can hit for power. Like that is a, that's a really nice combination. We, I think, you know, we talked about in the preseason that like his upside, and it's not, I think a realistic upside. This is the guy I think he really could be, but like he comes in a similar mold as JT real Muto in a true five category contributor from a position where you often get zero categories. Fair enough. Yeah, Naylor is a stash for me in at least one new format, so uh, he's definitely a guy I'm excited about, but maybe not in the short term. Um, Mickey Moniak is a name that I'm going to bring up very quickly. The other two names in that note, Ezekiel Duran and Jake Berger, we've kind of already broken down um, about their breakouts, whether we're believers or not. Chad's not so enthusiastic about Duran. Uh, he is about Berger. I like both of them, but there's another name we can tag on there, and that's the aforementioned Mickey Moniak, who it's 21 plate appearances. Like, let's not go too crazy here. Uh, but he's looked awesome. And I wouldn't bring up a player with just 21 plate appearances who's been so bad. If he wasn't a for- former first overall pick in the MLB draft. And it's not just 21 plate appearances for what it's worth at AAA. And granted it was the PCL. It's a hitter friendly environment. He had a 940 OPS, eight home runs in just 141 plate appearances. So this has been a strong year for Mickey Moniak to this point be it in the majors or at AAA. How long are you going to wait before you consider adding Mickey Moniak? In auto new leagues, I probably wouldn't wait very long because you can throw him at the end of your bench. And if it, if this keeps going, then great. You've got him. And if it doesn't, you move on and it's fine. I would just note um, his average exit velocity is 88.6. That's not very good. His hard hit rate is 25%, and calling that not very good is generous. That's that's downright bad. Do the and strikeout this rate. Is a good, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't even look at the strikeout rate because I was just like, oh, it's good. Going, oh, my God. <laughs> 38.1%. Yikes. Uh, that's not great. And I think the funny thing is you look at his ex-WOBA, and his ex-WOBA is 390, and you're like, oh, 390 ex-WOBA. Like, this is a really good example of where like ex-WOBA – can lie right it's not predictive and part of the reason it's not predictive is like little looping line drives that fall in are going to be hits and they're going to be hits with high xwoba because those things are hard to catch i'm not saying that's what he's hitting by the way i'm just giving an example but like 
a guy can have a 390 XOBA without hitting the ball very well. He's just hitting the ball the right way. And that's not something that's sustainable. And so what is sustainable is regularly hitting the ball hard, regularly making contact. And he is doing neither of those things. So <laughs> I'm not super excited. Um, yeah, I think I said I would in a new league. I might pick him up quickly just to like see if this continues. I changed my mind. Someone else can have him. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot to get excited about. I think it's just it was the first overall pick allure that uh, sucked me in there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and the Angels also like their starting lineup probably does not include Mickey Moniak. So I think that's that's important right. to keep in mind as well. He's a real deep league target, um, if a target at all. So we're we're almost there. We got ten names to go, Chad, uh, until we hit our one hundred mark. And I wanted to make sure we talked about Joe Musgrove, who has just been terrible. Like the last thing you would expect from Joe Musgrove is to not even get quality starts. Well, we're five starts in to his season. Remember, he started the year in the IL. It's May twenty first. Joe Musgrove hasn't given us a quality start yet. What he has given us is a six point seven five ERA and a not great strikeouts per nine. Which, to be fair, we probably weren't expecting a great. K per nine with Joe Musgrove. His strikeout per nine is up this year versus last year. Okay, well I'll take that. Right, but what? what <laughs> it was nine point three eight. Oh, okay. It's nine point three eight this year. Than I thought it was five. Yeah, nine point one five last year. Nine point three eight this year. I the the Fine. issue for him. The issue for him has been walks. Uh three point three eight walks per nine and eight percent walk rate. The last time he had a walk rate over, like he's only once in his career had a walk rate over seven point two percent. And that was back in 2020 with Pittsburgh when he had a 9.6% walk rate. That was in the short season. It was only eight starts for him. He actually pitched pretty well because he had a bunch of strikeouts that year. His, his strikeout rate was way up. Here's what I see. He started injured. Control is often one of the last things to come back. His velocity of 93.3, like that's what his velocity was in 2021. It was actually lower than that in 2022. He's only once in his career had a velocity over that for the season. That was back in 2018. It's like velocity is good. His issue is his walks and his ground ball rate is way down. It was 44.3% for his career. It's 36.5% this year. I am guessing that those things are related, the walk rate and the ground ball rate, because they're both about locating pitches. And control is often the last thing to come back for guys who are working their way back from injury. And I I, I kind of want to buy low. I'm a little torn, but like, you know, his last start yesterday, he gave up four runs on six hits in five innings. So the numbers don't look very good overall, but he struck out six in five innings. He only walked one. And so I, I'm... I'm kind of in on Musgrove, I think. I just, he's been too consistently good for too long. He's only 30 years old. The things you worry about with a guy who's coming back from injury on velocity and stuff like that are look fine. He's just got to find his spots again, but he's earlier in the season than everyone else, basically. So I'm, I think I'm in on Musgrove. Yeah, it's important to keep in mind, again, there was no spring training here for Joe Musgrove. There wasn't. It was a quick rehab yeah. stint, and he was back in there for San Diego. Um, so that is important context. I'm, I feel better about Musgrove after that conversation. We're going to skip around, Chad, on the notes because a few of these names, at least those hitters, we've already talked about. Mark Vientos, Casey Schmidt was mentioned. Um, and I want to jump to some true or false statements 
a uh, keeper cut. I guess this is now a trend. We've done this before. And let's start with yeah. Anthony Volpe. Anthony Volpe is the ninth shortstop on ESPN's Play Raider. Remember, ESPN's Play Raider does play up stolen bases quite a bit, which obviously helps Volpe, who's batting only 211. True or false, he finishes as a top 10 shortstop. And keep in mind, outside of the top 10 on ESPN's Play Raider right now, includes names like Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Trey Turner. Yeah. Uh, boy, I think kind of, I kind of think it's true because I think he's getting better and developing. And so I think yeah. we're, we're seeing, I don't want to say we're seeing his floor right now because I'm sure he'll have some slumps and stuff along the way. But like, I think we're kind of seeing him learn on the job and I think he's going to get better as the season goes on. Fair enough. All right. True or false. Mitch Keller is third is the third starting pitcher. I can't believe I'm saying this sentence. Mitch Keller's the third starting pitcher. I feel like I need to say that one more time. Mitch Keller is the third starting pitcher in ESPN five by five on their player. Reader. It's May 21st. And it's Mitch Keller. He's, he's second for Rasball. Second. What the heck is going on? Is he going to finish as a top 10 starting pitcher? Or true or false, he finishes as a top 10 starting pitcher. Let me ask the question correctly, or statement. Man. So this is an interesting one, because it's not you're not asking rest of season, right? If, if it were like, will he be top 10 rest of the way? I think I would probably say no. Right. But he's banked a month and a half as a top three guy. So. Which will impact keeper decisions. Yeah. Uh, I'm still going to say false. I think he goes through a cold <laughs> stretch and ends up like in the. 15th ish range. Me too. Yeah. But man, I, he's been fun. He's been really a, good. He has been. And I, I think my, my saying he's 15th is not like, oh, this is fake. He's not blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't, it's not that. I just, he's been so inconsistent in his career. And we've seen flashes of this from him in his career. And I just don't believe he can maintain it. Right. No, that's Sometimes fair. you're like, this guy's performed as the second best pitcher, but it's all smoke and mirrors and it's not legit. That's not the case. Keller's been legit. I just don't know that he can keep doing it. Yeah. I, so I rely too heavily on this. It's a, it's a fantasy fault of mine because he's already, he's 27 years old. So it's almost useless to bring it up, but this is a player that came with quite a bit of prospect pedigree. The swinging strike rate is up, but it's up to 10%. So I do not think he's going to finish as a top 10 starting pitcher um, on the player Raider, I would also say false. Um, we do have one more, at least uh, true or false question here. The number one relief pitcher on ESPN five by five. This has to be the first time ever is not a closer or a spark, a starting pitcher slash relief pitcher, AKA really just this year, Spencer Strider. It's Yenier Cano of the Baltimore Orioles. So the question or the statement is true or false. He is the closer in Baltimore by the end of the season, not Felix Batista. So I'm looking at the Rasball player Raider, as I mentioned a couple of times, and Cano is third on that. So that's, he's not first. You know who is first? Felix Batista. <laughs> Felix Batista. <laughs> yep. So I think the answer is false. He's not going to take over the closer. Now, they may find themselves in more of a timeshare. Like they may, and I think, if, you know, especially if, I mean, it almost, it's, it's sort of a weird thing to say. If the Orioles are either out of the running or or locked into the running, they could find themselves in a situation where giving both of those guys more rest by like 
never having them either one of them pitch back to back days or something like that. Like they could make a decision like that to really keep those guys fresh. And that would result in them sharing the job, at least at some level. But no, I don't think he takes over as closer. I will also note that I am in seven auto new leagues and I have him in four of those seven. I'm very proud of myself for that. <laughs> that's a, that's a all, credit goes to, all credit goes to Alex fast who like in his, like in Cano's like second appearance fast tweeted out a, a gif and said something like, like I'm really impressed with this guy. Right? And it, it, it was, it was something totally innocuous, but I was like, I'm in, I'm all in. I'll just take him up everywhere. I'm going to give you the credit, Chad. Yeah, you you were willing to listen to the <laughs> no. tweet, so so there we go. Um, we have two names to get through, and then we will hit our 100 mark and call this a wrap. And because there's still so much stuff left in the notes, I'm gonna let you pick, Chad, of any of those prompts. Oh, no. What do we want to tackle here? Because there's no shortage of options. One of them lists okay. two of them list ten names. So if we want to blow past the 100 mark, you could. No, choose we got to land on 100. We got to hit I, 100 I exactly. I'm with so here, you. I'm going I'm to give make you answer a true or false. You ready? Sure. It's one of the ones you put on here, so I'm sure you have thoughts on it. But true, true or false? Michael Harris second due for some major positive regression. Let's go. Let's go a step further. Michael Harris is a top ten outfielder rest of the way. Oh, so I'm because he was say... being drafted around there. Maybe that's too high. Maybe I should say top fifteen because he was being drafted as like top ten, top fifteen outfielder. So I'm trying to say I'm getting that like. He returns his draft value the rest of the season, even though he clearly hasn't yet. Okay. I'm going to treat that as two different questions because you and I actually had a really good conversation in our outfield rankings where they were basically the same other than you had Michael Harris and I had uh, Luis Robert, who has had a weird season. Okay, so, so you far. won that one. You've definitely so, won that one so far. So far. <laughs> I mean, it's only May 21st. And honestly, if you look at the the underlying stuff, like Luis Robert started the... Oh my God, I'm doing it again. Luis Robert. There you go. Luis Robert. Luis Robert uh, started the season super hot, then got super cold, and then he got really, really hot again. Um, so the numbers are, are kind of weird. But Michael Harris, the reason why we, we put it in there is like all the underlying stuff suggests that he's he's better than he was last year, right? He's he's had a lot of pop-ups, which is odd. Um, and I, I think that's something that'll kind of iron itself out as the season progresses because everything else looks good. We wanted him to cut the K rate. He did it. We wanted him to increase the walk rate. He did it. He's still barreling the ball basically just as much as he did last season. And there's been absolutely no Babbitt block, right? His Babbitt is 203. That's just not going to stick, especially for a guy who puts the ball on the ground as much as he does. He's quick. He With hits the ball speed, reasonably yeah. hard and and like puts the ball on the ground. So he should have a high Babbitt. However, with all of that said, I'm going to say false because I'm not going to go against what I said earlier. I'm going to stick with uh, Luis Robert being better than him going forward. But your other question, will he return draft value? I think from this point forward, he will. If we look at his season-ending stats, I don't know if it's going to look that way, but he's due for some major positive regression. Yeah, and I, I was very specific to say from this point forward because his his he will not end of year look like a good draft value. But sure. from a Keeper League perspective, if he from this point forward looks like a good draft value, he'll be, he'll be a real interesting target for me in the offseason. Like, he already strikes me as the kind of guy that I'm going to look at in like November or December and be like, man, I wonder if his manager is like, I thought he was going to be a top 20 outfielder. He was really a top 40 outfielder and, and be willing to trade him based on keeper value. No, while, while he actually was top 20 for like the second half of the season. 
right? Yeah. So that's that's what I'm looking at with him. All right, we need one more name, right? Well, if you count Luis Robert, then no. We talked about Robert earlier, though. You talked about oh, the no. other way. Oh, okay. Then I, I doubled him up. So yes, we need one more name. Yeah. So let's see one more name. Who are we going to end with here? It's this is okay. This is not the single most exciting name left on the list, but it's a guy that I've got in a couple places, and I'm debating what to do with him, including in our podcaster on a new league. Jorge Mateo was mm-hmm. absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. He is no longer doing that. Is he a drop? True or false? You got to do true or false, right? True or false? Jorge Mateo is a cut. Oh, that's that's such a tough question. I. I'm not going to give the typical, it depends. I'm just going to give you a straight up answer. And that answer is yes. And there's two reasons why. Number, well, three reasons why. <laughs> Number one, the track record, it just isn't there, right? I got excited about um, Eno Saris of the Athletics article that we referenced weeks ago, over a month ago, saying suggesting that maybe he is a legitimate breakout. Obviously, things have taken a turn for the worse since then. And the track record does not back up what he did before. Instead, the track record backs up what he's doing right now. Number two, it's just such a deep position. Shortstop is so deep um, that like I, I can't rationalize holding on to Mateo, especially since it looks like, reason number three, his power really isn't legit. So that makes him a stolen base guy. And stolen bases, as we said last week, are up all over the place. I'm not having a hard time finding stolen bases. So I don't need to roster guys going to strike out a ton and, and ultimately kill my batting average and give me no other categories. And reason number four, the Orioles have a lot of options. If he continues to struggle, I mean, we were talking about Gunnar Henderson losing time. Jorge Mateo could easily lose time as well. Yeah. Yeah. In that, in that podcaster league where I have him, um, like my middle infield, I've got Altuve. I've got Horner. I've got Muncie. Uh, I've got Julianne, who's now back up. I've got Dansby Swanson. I, I've got over a hundred. No, we, we mentioned most of those guys before. Okay. Right. All right. Almost yeah, all those guys. I, I, I think. stopped writing the names. I couldn't keep up. So I just That's started good. putting little slash marks. Yeah. No, I, I think we've covered this. And, and I have Tyro Estrada who we've also named before. Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty deep in middle infield. And on top of that, if I go to the standings page last, I checked. Yeah. I have four more stolen bases than anyone else in the league has right now. And I could, like I've got, you know, I've got 61 steals in that league. The fourth place team, which is you, has 50. I could probably stay ahead of you without keeping Mateo. Mm-hmm. And so I think I need to put him. I'm gonna do it right now. Trade block. Oh, he's already on the trade block. Nobody's inquired. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll cut him. We'll have to see. But uh, you know, I, I I'm uh, I was really I, I was so down on him before the season because I didn't think he'd have a job. And then he got a job and I was like, all right, I guess I'll pick him up. At least he'll get me steals. And then I was like, oh, wow. I like stumbled into this star. It's already over. Yeah. It's already over. Jorge That's Mateo it. We hit 100. Breaking hearts. Yeah, we hit 100 names. It took us an hour, 28 minutes. Who knows? Maybe it's an hour, 27 after the editing. But uh, we did it. Well done, Chad. Folks, thanks again. 100 episodes of Keeper Cut. How exciting. You could tune into us next week. Wednesday where we will be back. Please follow Chad at, at Chad Young. You can follow me at, at Pete B Baseball. You can follow the show at, at Keep or Cut. We will see you in a week.